walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Shock Factor podcast, where I, stinky Stephen Shock, am joined by the beautiful, illustrious, and handsome, both of them, Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. Guys, how are we doing today? I don't want the world to think that I, too, am not am, am not stinky. I am stinky. Jordan is not stinky, but yeah. I am stinky. Yeah. general On average, I would say that is true. Um, I'm, I think I'm above average stinky today. Uh, the amount of baseball that is currently being consumed over the past week has ratcheted up the stank level, I think, for all of us. It's we're developing gonna get, a rank. <laughs> we're going to get through it together. This is the beauty of Zoom is that as far as the technology extends for now, we can't quite smell each other. Steve, it is a delight to be joined by you once again on this Sunday evening for another episode of The Shock Factor. I'm so excited to do another podcast with you, Steve. Um, We have so much to talk about. But let's, as I just uh, uh, referred to, uh, Jake and I, because we have 17 other baseball jobs, have been spending a good amount of time watching the World Baseball Classic um, so that has, has got a lot of our attention, but we, of course, are going to be talking college ball in this pod, but it is important to know that we probably have watched a little bit less than normal, but I know Steve has been on top of things. Steve, my question to you, have you watched any of the WBC or have you been staying committed to the game of D1 ball? Staying committed to D1 ball, but I, I'm, I'm staying in tune with tweets from the WBC. So Steve famously hates the world. And so and and all other cultures and international peoples. And so for him, it's very easy to tune out of the WBC, considering he hates anything that isn't Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a Delawarean now, so it's in my blood. And in that blood is also college baseball due to several, several weird accidents in the lab. There is college baseball flowing through me. Steve Steve only tunes in to Delaware-born Paul Goldschmidt's at-bats and nothing else. It's <laughs> actually sent directly to the chip in my head. Yeah, Yes, exactly. We love so to that, see that. We that, wanted to, though, uh, WBC-wise, shout out to the D1 players out there and the D3 players and the D2 players who are out there grinding in the WBC, taking a hiatus from their college baseball journeys as members of the Jewish community and fans of Team Israel, Jordan and I are a little bit steamed that Jake Geloff has not joined his brother Zach Geloff on Team Israel. That would be very nice. That's your fault directly, Steve. But my question, WBC-related, is uh, Jordan, where do you think LSU as its own nation, because people say Tiger Nation, right? Tiger Nation, Tiger Nation. <laughs> Where do they finish as a country in the WBC? Are they the worst WBC team right now? Uh, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, metal bats would probably, like if we if we made all of them swing wood, that would probably at least do something to some of the teams. But, yeah, I mean, stuff-wise, the pitching is every bit as, as good as, you know, the bottom five teams in the tournament at least. So I don't think they'd be the worst team at all. I don't know. I would not bet on them to come out of any of the groups. But I think they would not finish last in several of them. Mm. But it's That's close. good news. It's well, close. you know, the, the president of LSU of that country must be very proud. Speaking of wood bats and metal bats and bats hitting balls at high speeds, 
Before we get into some specific things today, I think it's time to have a serious conversation about what is going on in the world of college baseball because the balls are not just juiced. They are being liquefied. They are soaking wet. Whatever the extreme version of juiced is, that's what they are. And I think Jordan and I, in preparing for the show today, Steve, we have not talked about this yet. We want to pour a little bit of cold water, a dose of reality onto the current situation. I want to I want to clarify that I think I I don't want cold water is not the the metaphor I want to go with here because dose of reality is important. I before we so remember on our season preview, one of the things I was thinking about the most was will we have a buttload of home runs again, right? Like is is that the world we are now living in? where there are just a, a laughable amount of home runs per game. And the early answer, obviously, is yes. It is even more than last year. And that on its own is cool and fun and good. We could talk about that. The homers are up, right, Steve? You can verify. You've watched a lot of college baseball. Can you confirm to us the homers are flying as much as we've seen them in certainly the BB Core era? Is that true? Yes, absolutely. And it's not just that they're flying at a high quantity. The quality of the home runs is much, much more. Exactly. The quality. Now, okay, Steve. So you say that the quality is up. Yes. Do you think it, that is because hitters are better and hitting the ball harder than before? No. <laughs> okay, good. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So this is the thing where, again, I am love. First of all, Another reality of of why we are even talking about this is the fact that all these Power 5 programs, but not even just Power 5 programs all over the country, have TrackMan units and have at blank blank baseball data Twitter accounts and blah, 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 analytics Twitter accounts, which is putting this information out there more than we've ever had it before. But because of that, we have a reference point for exit velocity and distances for home runs that as they continually uh, flow across my timeline via at BigDonkey47... I see them and I'm like, holy shit. And then I watch the video. And I'm like, holy shit, that was awesome. And then I'm like, hold on a second. That's not normal at all because I just watched someone like Shohei Otani just hit a ball 118. And that's like the third hardest hit ball he's ever hit. And that's against the Czech Republic. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this kid at Ole Miss has done this five times already this season. And I start to wonder... Uh, what am I really seeing with my two eyes and uh, two, uh, you know, frames of my glasses? So, so there's <laughs> something fishy about the juice. There's something juiced about the fish. Something is amiss. Mm -hmm. Steve, where do you fall? How are you feeling about the current uh, situation that we are experiencing in college baseball right now? I personally love home runs. As someone who does not pitch anymore and can no longer give up college home runs, um, the, the frequency at which they're happening, it, it does not scare me. It excites me quite, quite frankly, but you asked, do I think it's because the hitters are better at hitting? And I said, no, the reason I think that this could be happening, this is just a theory put on my little tinfoil hat. I think the balls are the exact same, but there's a large, large gap in the quality of pitches from last year to this year. And where do I think this gap in quality comes from? I think it comes from the pitch clock, rushing pitchers, and not making as refined pitches as they would usually make because maybe they're rushed. Maybe they're 
Maybe their cadence is off. Maybe they aren't taking three breaths like they're used to taking. I don't know. But I, I, I think that could definitely play a factor into it. You think that the clock has influenced um, maximum hanging for maximum banging of pitches as many of these are just, I mean, Cement Mixer doesn't even do it justice for some of these terrible breaking balls being launched 490 feet away. And this is an interesting point, Steve. And I honestly think that to some degree, you might be onto something. And you know, listen, our home runs up like crazy in spring training so far in, in the pitch clock era. I think they're up a little bit. They're not up, you know, <laughs> almost double from, <laughs> from three years ago. Big league um, pitchers are also big boys. Yeah. Right? Yes. They're not little college students whose heads we got to rub. That's true. but but And, and, and that's, that's a big part of it, too. It's, I'm sure that because, as we know, the players at these lower levels are not adjusting as quickly, right? Are not going to be able to adjust because they're already not as good, right? There's a bigger conversation we had about just like the quality of pitching in general at once you kind of get below the top. Sure, the top of the top, you know, the Paul Skeens of the world is like, holy shit, I can't believe this dude's in college. But, you know, the middle is a lot squishier and let alone, certainly the bottom. And this is another important thing to, to mention, right? Of course, we're talking about the first few weeks. It's non-conference play. You have these bigger teams beating up on these on these smaller teams that are that are kind of traveling around the country and I, I know that's probably skewed the numbers and still but but I want to get back to what we mentioned before I think you're honest saying there Steve but <laughs> bad pitches don't make college freshmen stronger than every major leaguer <laughs> and <laughs> so, this is this is the issue yeah. that we keep coming back to Steve and why we felt it was important to bring this up okay over the weekend a gentleman, by the name of Jackson Jackson Finley at Georgia Tech, who is a pitcher, correct? A two-way guy. Hit like, a home like Jack Caglione. Like Jack, like Jack Caglione. But Jackson Finley hit a ball 116 miles an hour. Correct? Correct. And it sure, I, it sure looked like it. I mean, he did hit I, it 160 miles an hour. That did yes, happen. I'm not debating that. That happened, okay? Yeah. What if I told you that Bryce Harper in his big league career, has hit one baseball ever harder than that. Okay, so what I am led to believe, okay, is that this very skilled baseball guy named Jackson Finley is... Who, who, by the way, talented two-way player, had not hit a home run in college before this season. (laughs) Right. You're telling me that there's nothing amiss with the fact that he just hit a ball... As hard as Bryce Harper has ever hit a baseball. Bryce Harper, who, by the way, hits the ball really hard all the time. I think that there is something more than bad pitching going on if Jackson Finley, again, no no harm. He's been amazing. He's been one of the best hitters in college baseball this year, for sure. I think Jackson Finley would also admit, willingly, that it is a little odd that he is hitting the ball as hard as Bryce Harper has ever hit a baseball Bryce Harper I'm not talking about freaking Heimer Condelario or Grant Green or any normal baseball guy. Bryce Harper okay Steve that is kind of where I'm at well you you got to remember Bryce Harper had a torn UCL last season mm. so that's going to probably contribute that's and, true and Jackson Finley shares a a last name with my dog's first name, which also plays a huge also, factor. So yeah, well, I, and, I don't see how I that doesn't contribute. 
getting towards, you know, Bryce Harper never played D1 baseball. So how good can That's he really true. have been? I, I, exactly. I want to clarify the number here. The hardest, I, he has hit more balls harder than 116 flat. But the hardest Bryce Harper has ever hit a recorded ball is 116.4. That is the hardest he's ever hit a ball. And this is the other thing. And, and I know that because if you're just a college baseball fan, you might not be as familiar with what is hard when it comes to exit velocity. I'm, I'm sure you've watched Major League Baseball, whatever. But like having these numbers put into college context is new, right? That is that is that is uh, a fresh perspective that we have not re- recently, ha- you know, had recently. But just so you know, hitting balls 110 is when like <laughs> this is another good way to put it. A hard hit ball in Major League Baseball by official Sackcast definition is 95. Plus, okay, that is what a hard hit ball is. Okay, and listen, we know metal bats are helping them. Okay, we, we, the bats are a whole other conversation. Okay, but we'll, we'll move those aside and just understand that metal bats, even though they are BB core and not beezers that are minus fives, right? That look like bowling pins. You know, I know, I know <laughs> that metal bats are going to add a couple miles an hour too. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I understand that it's a metal bat, right? Um, but 95 is hard. That's considered a hard hit ball in major baseball. 100 is like, oh shit. Okay. You see, he squared that. He really squared that up, right? 105, basically every major leaguer can hit a ball 105. Once you, 95% of them can. Once you get to 110, now it's like he absolutely destroyed that ball. In the big leagues, if you're hitting a ball 110, you are crushing the ball. Once you get to 115, now we're in the like, there's only 20 or so people that can even do this in the majors. And the fact that so far through three weeks of college baseball, it's just like every weekend, like, oh, hey, this guy over here, you he hit one one sixteen. I'm like, what? What? What do you mean? What? What do you? <laughs> Ken Balderman did what? <laughs> Again, Steve, last season, only eight big leaguers hit a home run one sixteen or harder. Eight, eight different major league baseball players hit a ball one sixteen or harder. Stanton, Vlad Jr., Cruz, O'Neill Cruz, Aaron Judge, Otani, Wilson Contreras, Jorge Soler. Julio Rodriguez. I did not say Mike Trout's name. Okay, I just really want people to understand this, and we're we're not trying to like crap on. Well, this is the thing. On. This is the thing. It's I'm looking- just weird because our frame of reference yes. is now completely out of whack. And when you have Steve Shock, shouts out to Steve, great guy. Love Steve. Loves that guy. Yeah, you're totally right to be tweeting like, Cap Alderman 119. This is nuts. But like, I refuse to believe that if he was hitting a major league baseball, it would be recording that hard. I refuse to believe that. Yeah. Now, let's let Steve talk. Sorry. I'm looking. No, I know. And I'm looking at Steve and he's looking at me like I just told him Santa's not real and I feel bad. Right. (laughs) No, 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 no hard feelings here. Just I'm what I'm hearing a lot of. I'll just throw it out there. So Jackson Finley, he plays at Georgia Tech. Bryce Harper, if you're listening, he'll offer lessons. He's a very reasonable guy. You just got to reach out. All right, just gotta reach out. Nice That's guy. True. He really will. Cool. He will spare some time for you, Bryce. When when you once you're fully healthy and you can, if you you can dream of hitting a ball one sixteen yeah. or one eighteen like Kemp Alderman, if you're lucky enough. Right. Um. Now here's what I will say, Steve. So while the raw, the, the 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 totals, the distances of the home runs. I mean, Texas oh, that's another Tech, distance thing. We're, we're, Quick distance the, thing. Shouts yeah. out to Kyle Huxdorf at Iowa. Yeah, and they I told us when we were at the Round Rock Classic. Marty told us, assistant coach Marty Sutherland told us. He said, "Hey." Kyle Huxdorf's got the most pop on the team. I'm like, okay. But I, if you look at Kyle Huxdorf, does he look like someone that could hit a 470-foot home run? I mean, maybe. 
but I'm <laughs> it's not there aren't a lot of those either in the big league. So now, but to that point though, the raw numbers while they seem a little fishy. If they're going to give us moments like Jared Jones hitting a ball over the scoreboard, fine. Because that is yes. fucking amazing and really fun. There we go. <laughs> because there we to go. Me, like, if there's nothing interesting beyond the on-field fence, which is true at Texas Tech, eh, what's the point of hitting the ball far? But if you can hit it over something, Great. now we can have a conversation. Now I'm starting to get a little more interested in this whole ball being, you know, juiced uh, into, you know, oblivion. Uh, Steve. Any final thoughts on this topic before we move on and stop? I, again, I hope we don't sound like this is we are entertained, but well, we are just trying to help put, wanna, put things into perspective here. Bingo. This is where I, I'm going to finish and we'll let Steve on his on his own show now is like I want us to enjoy this, but I want us to enjoy this in reality. <laughs> OK, I don't want us to pretend as if this is normal and suddenly there are D1 players hitting the ball Harder than Bryce Harper has ever hit a baseball. Okay? When it goes far and high and over shit, I will clap my hands like a monkey with symbols. I will, I will hit that RT. Yeah. That's not the thing. That's not the problem. I just want us to understand that we are living in a different paradigm now. That the world has changed on us. Yes. Is that and okay? Steve, maybe this is another way to spin it forward. So yeah. many home runs. You love home runs now because you're not a college I, pitcher, right? Yeah, exactly. You got to love the home runs. I'm glad you guys finally came around and said it's cool when home runs hit off of shit because <laughs> you, you guys had lost me there for a very little bit. And we're, we're usually, you know, we're, we're usually we're like this. We're close, you know. Yeah. So, but as soon as it came back to hitting cool shit, I immediately thought of Cole Messina's home run from last weekend. Mm -hmm. If you remember, it hit off the building. All four. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, but so many of them, I mean, I, I looked at this time last year, Tommy White had nine home runs and we were like, this is a, a deity hitting baseballs. And right now there are, I think, 10 players with nine home runs and I've lost track of, of them. Right. Like the, we are we are just pew, we are just going straight up and, and it's not it's still cold in most of these places. So, hey, Steve, do you um, think if you were pitching in the current environment? <laughs> you would have ever gotten famous enough to be where you're sitting right now? <laughs> I think he could. Dude, Steve was the best at not allowing homers except for that one. Yeah, I was I was a pretty good not home run guy. Yeah, but he, he was. Like, that's the thing. I think there's some other guys. I, that, I don't know, because I think giving up the home run definitely helped the popularity. Also true. Like, also true. that's at least, that's what I tell myself to cope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, and I hope um, I hope that this does not come across as too. Overtime. I thought I will say, Steve. I thought your your pitch clock theory is is like pretty sick. Like no, that's I, a good I, idea. I think that has contributed to some terrible pitches. That I do believe. Because <laughs> I mean, think about it. When a pitcher is doing bad, it's usually because they're rushing themselves. So mm -hmm. they rush even faster. Mm -hmm. Double shelled. I'm about to open your third eye. You ready? The uh, pitch clock isn't just isn't just rushing pitchers. It's rushing hitters. It's rushing their bat through the zone <laughs> at higher speed. I got to get this swing done with before the clock expires. Bingo. <laughs> got oh, to get to finish quick. <laughs> oh, man. Really, really. Look at the bat speed on that guy. He's, he's making sure he's not wasting anybody's time. <laughs> That's that was great. almost a ball. That's you want games to go quicker? 
Guys who throw harder, guys who hit the ball harder. All right, it's going to get there quicker. So the baby. ball is moving faster at all times. The way Paul, Ske- Paul Skeens does pace of play by throwing a hundred. Uh, yeah, while, go ahead, while you say that, I did want to bring up when uh, I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but Iowa playing Texas Tech when yes. Brody Brecht was pitching, they yes. tried to steal home, and it was just a straight steal, and he threw it home at a hundred miles an hour, like just delivered the pitch, and he got him by like a millisecond, and so. I think pace of play wise, it got there faster, so it got the out. You know, I think if it were thrown any slower, he wouldn't have even gotten the out. So, thank you, you pitch clock. Thank you, pitch clock. See, clip that, clip that, so that we can then use it whenever Steve is shitting on pitch clock. We'll just have that in our back pocket for Steve to thank the pitch clock. Um, okay, uh, Steve, let's let's move. Listen, I, again, we'll, we just we just felt like we had to talk about that, but let's move on to some of the teams that caught our attention. Steve, we throw it to you for our weekly edition of Steve's uh, giblet ticklers. Uh, Steve, mm-hmm. which team uh, tickled your giblets? Giblet? Giblets? What have we decided on the pluralization there? Uh, who did some tickling this week? I don't know, but when you when you say it, I, I like it so much more than saying it myself. But Boston College really tickled my giblets. They went down to Virginia Tech down in Blacksburg, Virginia, where it's a hostile environment. It's not easy to win there. The, the fans are on you all the time. And what did Boston College do? They took two out of three, which isn't bad. Friday night, they kind of kind of took a beating, but they took it personal. They said, hey, we started business there, and they pooped all over our business. So we're going to finish that business on Saturday and just Saturday, actually, because it rained on Sunday, and sweep a doubleheader, which in college baseball, sweeping a doubleheader is not easy. You know, you win the first game, and it's like, okay, well, Coach can't be too mad at us on the bus ride home. We would prefer to win, but let's be honest. We're full that's, of mustard, turkey, and cheese. That's How found money. This? That's found money, right? You got like eight Jimmy dry Jimmy John sandwiches in your gullet. Yeah, it's like how how am I supposed to perform? Well, they found a way to perform, and they beat Virginia Tech 7-3 to three in the nightcap, and I was impressed. And this was... Uh, a nice uh, – the reason why they caught our attention, ACC play officially started this weekend, and that was certainly the performance that caught our attention the most. Um, Steve, you know a little bit about the ACC. Well, Were there any other out. series? Time oh, out, friends. Yeah. Boston yeah. College beat Tennessee. I know. Well, that's – I was going to say, we should just stretch stretch back farther and UNC Asheville. So, the, hell of a the week craziest, for them. I mean, they're 12-2. Well, the the they mentioned this on the podcast uh, – not the podcast. They mentioned this on the broadcast. Tennessee had not played a midweek home game against a Power 5 opponent since 2009. 2009. They had not played a Power 5 midweek opponent at home. 2009. And Boston College was like, boosh. Yeah, this is why, bitch. Dude, here's the thing. (laughs) Boston College was fucking terrible last season. Yeah. They were 19 and 34, 5 and 25 in the ACC. Um, they were 21 and 28 the year before that when they had South Fralick, and now like 12 and 2. And I, I know they have some hitters, you know, Travis Honeyman and Joe Vitrano, but like I, I, have, I need to look into a little bit more about how the hell they're doing this. Um, they go to Florida State next week for, for their next ACC, uh, uh, you know, series. So yeah, Boston College, they certainly have our attention. Yeah. And, 
I, I would say a large reason they're doing it is Cameron Leary. He just mm-hmm. keeps hitting clutch home runs for him. He had a huge home run in the Tennessee game late. I think it was in like the eleventh. That game but, was crazy. But they they always have like two or three just absolute dudes, but they can't really put it together. So it's exciting to watch them put it all together this year. They have a guy on their roster right now named Chris Flynn. Chris Flynn is a transfer from Division Three Roger Williams University, RWU. And Chris Flynn, so far in his Division One career, has been absolutely money. He's thrown 22 innings, he has 32 Ks, and he has allowed but two runs. He was very good. Though both of those runs came against Virginia Tech uh, over the weekend. He looks like the real deal and should be contributing for them Damn. all season long. Yeah, their closer, Andrew Roman, is another D3 guy from uh, Salve Regina, and Henry Leak also in their rotation from Babson. So, yeah, I mean, they it, it's working for them, man. They uh, then And Vitrano's been awesome. Leary's been awesome. Honeyman hasn't really even gotten hot yet, so – how about this? I mean, they, that like of all the ACC teams we were like locked into coming into the season, this was not one of them. So Boston College, I am uh, definitely will be tuning into more of your games moving forward. Uh, Steve, anybody else in the ACC that you wanted to mention? I know some teams didn't start their uh, eight conference play, but any other anyone else? Um, Virginia. Oh, um, oh yeah, you heard about what them. About um, so they had a really good weekend down in Chapel Hill. They took two out of three from the Tar Heels. Uh, a lot of people had been speculating that maybe when they played a better opponent, they wouldn't be as good. And I would just like to say to those people, how you like that? Um, because they they did good against a ranked opponent, and we should be excited about that. Nick Parker threw great. I mean, Jake Geloff hit home runs. Is anyone surprised? Congrats on your 30th home run, Jake. That's really cool. Um Kyle Teal was great behind the plate. Um, but just a just a great weekend of baseball. There was one catch where I can't remember who hit the ball, but Vance Honeycutt went up to, to catch it at the track, jumped up, ticks off his glove. He falls on his back, catches it barehanded. The, the kid's an incredible ball player, incredible talent. I think it's going to be a really good year for the ACC this year. Yeah, I – there is uh, there's certainly star power on basically every team, um, and that is enough to want to tune in there for all the love that we are going to give the SEC. But it's nice that they start they start the week before SEC, so it's like they kind of force you to start paying attention to them before SEC uh, begins. Uh, one other team I think we should definitely mention before we move to our undefeated and winless watch, and then we'll take a break, is Columbia. Columbia. Columbia, this was a team... When we were talking about the undefeated uh, teams uh, last week, Columbia just kept showing up on all these all these teams' schedules, and they uh, got a huge win over the weekend against Alabama. I know that uh, again. I don't know when when Ivy League play begins. I guess that's probably August. Um, yeah, that's. I guess they don't Brown. Yeah, March twenty fifth. So uh, wait, weeks, Alabama's not in the Ivy League. Um, Alabama's not. Alabama's not in the Ivy uh, League. No, no, mm-mm. that's. That's the shrubbery division. It's yeah. different than the <laughs> oh, oh, okay. okay. But My Columbia bad. going down to Tuscaloosa and taking a series over the previously undefeated um, Alabama Crimson Tide. Very impressive. And also, it's like uh, just hilarious because it's Columbia beating Alabama in any sport is funny. And I love this. So Hayden shot them. for them, Jordan, is hitting 442 right now. He has four home runs. 
down in Alabama, he went two for five, two for four, and three for five. They so. put up a uh, an eleven spot in the fourth inning of this third game, and look, I mean, we saw Columbia was you know they they were regional teams, so this shouldn't be super shocking, but it is still cool to see an Ivy League team winning a road series in the SEC, undeniably. So good for the Lions. Anything else on Columbia, Steve? No, just exciting stuff out of them. Big great win. uniforms. Jake, yeah, you got to go great. check them out too, man. I do need to go check them out. I thought also a big win for them over Mexico in Pool C of the World Baseball Classic. Man, if they had Guillermo Zuniga, uh, then the Ivy League would really have to worry, I would say. Um, anyway, <laughs> would uh, so, so those are the teams that, that have caught our attention. Of course, we have many more to spotlight, but those are definitely the ones. All right, Jake, uh, last week we talked about the teams that are still undefeated and the teams that are still winless. Because the Virginia Cavaliers lost to North Carolina in the series finale, they are no longer undefeated, which means nobody in Division One baseball is still undefeated. But I believe there are still some teams looking for their first win. Is that correct? There very much are. <laughs> so a storyline to watch last week was that Fordham University, the Fordham Rams, a school located 35 minutes away from where I'm currently farting, by train, they were winless, okay? And they had games on Tuesday and Wednesday against other winless opponents. So they had two chances to get off the old schneid against teams that were looking to unschneid themselves as well. They went up 4-0 on Stony Brook on Tuesday and then bungled it away and lost to Stony Brook, pushing them to, I believe, 0-11. The next day, they played host to the St. Peter's Peacocks, a team that was 0-10. And who was there in the 37-degree Bundled weather? up, baby. Bundled up behind the dish, but one Mr. Me. <laughs> and I can say, having seen these teams play in person, that Fordham is way better than St. Peter's <laughs> by a lot. Fordham put the beat down on them. I believe they did not run rule them, but they did beat them by at least 10, and they totally could have. St. Peter's did not win. Fordham is now up to three wins, and St. Peter's is all the way up to 0-14. and 14. Two touchdowns in the loss column for the Peacocks, and based on the eyewitness testimony from yours truly, I believe it. But they're not alone. And St. Peter's, who, of course, has had uh, struggles in the past, uh, they do not have uh, the resources of a program like Northwestern, who is 0-12. Cornell and Dartmouth are both still winless. New Mexico State, what is going on there? I believe they had they just lost their coach, I think, so that has something to do with it. I'm interested in that. I've seen this at other levels of college baseball where you lose your coach right before the season, and, like, I <laughs> – you guys are both going to make fun of me. I can't believe that that could derail a team to the point where the talent – I understand as a program I, that it is a terrible thing to happen right before the season. But, I like, do you think that New Mexico State would have five wins this year if their coach didn't just leave in the, before the season? Like, I, again, we don't know enough about these teams. I don't think he teams. just left. Um, he didn't have a coach just leave? What are you talking about? Okay, I, maybe I'm mixing him up with with a couple. I, I did. They, I, they I, had Brian Green, who's the coach at Washington State, but he yes. left after 19. Okay. So they've had the same coach there since the beginning of 2020. Okay, I think I'm mixing up that with something else. But 
Um, the point so is, so that is, is even worse then that there is a gentleman running this program right now. Yes, and they are winless, and yes. they did not lose a coach. Yes, uh, Long Island University <laughs> also in thirteen. So yeah, so I um, I don't know, man. I just uh, it's it's not it's not good. But the storyline to watch here, okay, is that the zero and thirteen Long Island University Long Islanders and the zero and fourteen St. Peter's Peacocks have one another on the schedule the second or the last midweek of the season okay they do play these winless juggernauts will they both be winless come mid-may i hope so because that would be great television uh they fired their coach last week just to be clear so it wasn't right before the season but it did new mexico state uh, did fire their coach after starting 0 and 7 now they're owing something, um, mm. but you know. So maybe, hey, we get we get. Some, it's like in uh, you know uh, English soccer. It's like you know, so and so out. Here we go. Now we rally. Now we're a totally different team. New Mexico State hires Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Thank no, you it, for that reference. It sucks when your coach gets fired halfway through. Have it, you had that really, happen to you? Yeah, it happened uh, my junior year of playing, senior year of school where my coach Bob Mumo was asked to leave our program. I still have no idea why. The school didn't tell us, but it does definitely mess with the mojo of a team, especially, like, if the players actually like the guy. Like, there wasn't a player on the team who didn't love the guy. So it, it, it really threw us off. I I wish I wish he didn't get fired. That would have been cool. He's a good guy. That would have, yeah. yeah, not getting fired is usually cooler than getting fired. Um this well, I think a big in the part of it, Jordan, is year. that like in the in the build up to a season, yeah, so much of it is like convincing yourself when you're a player that like right. the coach is God, and that the only <laughs> way you can get through a season is to genuinely believe that the coach is God, and that you will follow them into the depths of hell, and that you will take these bus rides, and you will eat these dry sandwiches, and you will freeze your toes off while not playing because that coach can get you where you want to go, right? And I've also had situations when I played, like, where that facade crumbles and you realize that your coach is a bit of a buffoon, right? And that is also bad because then it's like, oh, what am I doing all this for, right? So when your coach <laughs> does get fired, it is a very kind of odd dynamic in the middle of the season because then it's like, okay, what do I do with my hands? Right? Yeah, and then if they don't tell you, it's just, hey, does anyone know um, why? And then you just wonder for the rest of the season. It's like, huh, wonder if we'll find out why he got canned today. Like, well, come on, guys. In, in this case, and I don't know what your record was when you got fired, Steve, um, 0-7 is is not terrible, but it's not good. The crazy thing with New Mexico State is they were in the postseason last year. They won the WAC tournament after being under 500. Um, and then went to Corvallis and took Oregon State to extras. Ian Mejia, one of the best performances of the postseason last year, uh, and then they lost 21-1 to against Vanderbilt. And since then, they have not won a baseball game. So uh, I'm sure they'll get one at some point. They were at Grand Canyon, who's obviously a great team this past weekend. So good luck to the Aggies of New Mexico State. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with some of our other favorite moments of the past week and more. Today's show is brought to you by the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic Uh-oh. Ocean. We're back. We're back, and we're wet, and we're ready to go. 
with the beginning of ACC play kicking off over the weekend, the Atlantic Ocean thought it was the best possible time to hop back in and toss some dollars the shock factors way, and we could not agree more. So remember, the next time you are looking for an ocean, choose Atlantic. Thank you, as always, the Atlantic Ocean. Steve, I mean, that's got to mean a lot to you that they decided to kind of hop back in. Yeah, I'm, I mean, they took a few weeks off, which made me wonder, like, did we upset them with something we said? Some of the banter about what's crawling around down here. Perhaps me, you know, being upset with them about still not paying us for the first ad for the ACC preview, which... Yeah. Atlantic Ocean, if you're listening to this, one, what are you still doing up tonight? <laughs> it's past your bedtime. And two, where's the money? Um, sorry, the Oscars are tonight, so that, that of course, goes into my head. But, yeah, where's the money? You think the Atlantic Ocean is watching the Oscars? I don't know. Um, it's I mean, been if the a Atlantic while. Ocean can sponsor a podcast, could probably can probably watch the Oscars. Are there any fish movies up? Um, let us uh, move on, Steve. To, okay. I would say, one of the more viral college baseball moments of the past, I don't know, long time, <laughs> really long time uh, in a game between uh, New Orleans and Mississippi Valley State. Mississippi Valley. Um, Steve, tell me what happened at the very end of this baseball game. So... What we have at the very end of this baseball game is an umpire displaying that he has authority and that he he decides what the rules are sometimes. It's kind of like when you're uh, when your big brother upsets you because you're win or you upset your big brother because you're winning a game. Uh, he changes the rules on you and goes, you know what? I'm gonna show you up. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you with my own rules. So here we have a New Orleans pitcher throwing to, I cannot remember the name of the guy for the Davon life of me. Mims. So Davon, Davon Mims. Mims. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I was trying to scroll and get there. But he currently leads the nation in stolen bases, and he also leads the nation in at-bats stolen by an umpire. So the, the first strike that is called on him, borderline pitch, he jumps up and down a little bit. He's a little upset, a little frazzled. Seven seconds, he needs to get back in the box. Get back in the box, he does it. Next pitch, almost bounces in a left-handed batter's box. The umpire rings him up, strike three. He goes ballistic, and the catcher for New Orleans, even he's like, yeah, this is kind of bullshit. I'm going to stand up, protect this guy from you know, making a mistake and suspending himself even further or whatever could happen, just intervening, which was really good. You love to see that leadership out of even just a fellow fellow college baseball player, even if you aren't on the same team. But it, it was just an egregious act, and it makes me happy because the next day, uh, the SLC Southland Conference released that the umpire has been suspended indefinitely because – that's not good for baseball. Yeah, he gone. Uh, pretty obvious. I mean, this is one of the crazier um shows I've ever seen, and uh, not even not not complicated, right? Um, this is just <laughs> really shitty. I mean, it's a pretty goofy look. I would say I obviously feel bad for Mims, but like the three seconds 
before you understand how incredibly horrible it is, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, <laughs> which is a ball bouncing <laughs> in the left-handed batter's box and the guy ringing him up. Like that, I'm sorry, is objectively funny. But to your point, of course, this should not be happening to any players in real competition under any circumstances. Um, and yeah, I mean, this one's, it's not complicated. It's just like, well, what the fuck? Uh, at the same time, I'm still like being shown up. And so sometimes they strike back in extremely impatient and embarrassing ways. And this was one of them. So, yeah. I have a thought, Steve. Yes. I feel bad for Mr. Mims, but I'm happy that this happened once. And I'm happy that this has happened in such an obvious way and in such a viral, uh, with such a viral uh, vibe to it. Because this umpire did what hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other umpires have thought about doing countless times, right? I'm sure umpires stand back there and they're like, this guy won't shut the hell up. I'm just going to ring him up on one in the dirt. And then those umpires thought better of it, right? Because you can't do that. This happening will deter future umpires from doing this idiotic maneuver, this selfish decision, where in the future, when it pops into their head, they'll be like, oh, that guy got absolutely rolled after he did it. I'm definitely not doing it. So I think that as silly and as embarrassing as this was, it kind of ruled to watch. My question is like, was this... Like, it, do it doesn't make any sense to think that the umpire went into this game with the plan to never umpire again. <laughs> Which I don't know if that is going to be the case. For this umpire, I was suspended definitely by the Southland Conference. I don't know if that means they were going to do it again. But, like, honestly, like, this is potentially umpire career suicide. And I don't know if that is uh, – you could argue whether that's warranted or not. I mean, I, you could certainly argue that easily, right? Because I've never seen anything like this, really, right? Um, at the same time, like, yeah, like, they're people too. And that brings us to the other point. It's just, like, we – these instances deserve – every bit of scorn and you know ridicule as they are getting and in general we should probably be a little bit more chill towards umpires because the, most of them are doing their best <laughs> and are not out to get people and so all the energy spent on when you're sitting down the third base line screaming at the umpire for his strike zone that you can't see um, consider that they are probably doing a pretty good job and that there are a few of them where you know it is a problem. And when those show, when they show themselves, you will know. <laughs> this Steve, is one of them. Are you an ump whiner or no? No. I didn't really care. Okay. The, the, umpire, the way I see it, the umpire is playing the game too. Mm -hmm. I would not be good at calling balls and strikes. Henceforth, I do not umpire. I'm also not a good decision maker. I'm very indecisive. So if there were a pitch thrown it pitch clock out the complete window because five seconds for Steve to decide, you know, striker ball. You would need a pitch clock to make decisions on the pitches. Yeah. Think clock. I'd need a think clock. A brain clock. I do think that it is a weird dynamic of baseball culture at all levels that we are just allowed to be mean to umpires, right? Like umpires have this, this, um, like this, reputation as being inherently bad you know what i mean and i don't know if that's fair 
And I kind of understand when one of them kind of goes over the edge a little bit. And yes, when you're umpiring at that high of a level, like you have to just deal with it. You just eat it, right? But there are some situations, and we will get to that, a story about this in one second, where like the the umpires don't always deserve all the hate. And like frustrated baseball people, we just take our anger out on the umps all the time, right? Like think about all the things that umps hear and are told and like... They're not bad people inherently. They just can't hit or coach or throw, you know? But they want to yeah. be in, involved in the game. And so well, you need these umps to have these games happen. And so when you piss them off, sometimes they're going to say, smell you later. And so in those cases, uh, I can't really blame them. And I know that happened in a high school game also recently. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, I, I just want to speak briefly on the origin of the umpire hatred because people may think it came from the players and the coaches, but that's not true. Everybody remembers where they were the first time they saw the skit from the Lucille Ball show, Everybody Hates the Ump, featuring Ricky Ricardo, where both her and Ricky Ricardo were dressed singing about how everybody hates the ump. So don't blame the ball players, blame Lucille Ball show. Um, but anyway, I, I knew you guys aren't going to understand what that is, but I will send you guys a video to prove my point. Thank you. But moving on to MRA High School, we have another wacky umpire situation in which there's a check swing that it looks like the player held back. The umpire calls it a strike. He says he swung. The third base coach goes, hey, uh, can we review that? Umpire just pulls all the balls out of his pockets, throws them on the ground, goes, I got six kids at home. I don't want to deal with this, and leaves. And personally, I think that is a funny way of saying I'm out of here. Like, I'm done. It's like, you know what? I got six kids. You're going to be a kid, too. I'm not dealing with you. I'll go deal with my six. You, uh, you stay here and do your thing. I will say this out of context feels like a bit of an overreaction, but I'm going to trust that this ump was hearing it the entire game and was done hearing from the coach or other coaches and decide because asking for a check down the line, like that's a pretty normal coach umpire uh, interaction that I have a hard time believing that is what sent him over the edge. Um, at the same time, yeah, he's like, yeah, I don't need, I don't need this. And I've seen videos of like this all the time in like little league games where umps, for, I mean, yeah, again, literally, not even if ten year olds, right? Jake, you know this. I don't know how much you have to deal with this in the games that you uh, coach, and how much you see this, and how much of an issue this is. I'm sure you see it to some degree, but there's videos all the time of of, of umps who are obviously making fractions of what these college umps, let alone high school umps, whatever. And it's like, I if you want to play baseball, if you want your kid to play baseball in a real game, you need umpires. And so respect them to a degree like that's otherwise they don't get to play baseball. <laughs> There's so. also a huge um shortage right now, actually, yeah. in America. Why do you think? Of, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it's, it's exactly. Umps and eggs. Worse. Very expensive. Yes, yes. So this one was, again, I'm just going to assume there's more context here. But um, the way that this ump just kind of like empties his like ball bag pockets and just lets those things roll right. on the ground is great. It, it's just a funny clip, I'm, and I don't blame the umpire for one second for doing it. I mean, I would imagine it's it's a high school baseball game in Mississippi. I can't imagine everybody's nice because these people care a lot about high school baseball down there, which means they're going to be pretty passionate and might show it in different ways than 
you know, normal people would. So I could see this umpire getting worn down. But Steve, all of this has also led us, as we say, it's not just about respecting and not being a dickhead to the umpires. It's about appreciating the umpires when they're absolutely nailing it. And Mm -hmm. Steve, you had a good tweet about third base umpire Bo Whitaker. I can't remember what game this was. But he just absolutely crushed a fair foul call, right? Just dude. just squared that up, right? I mean, just like he he hit that fair foul call like one seventeen, right? I mean, it was just unreal. The smashed. amount, yeah, he he smashed that call. Bo Whitaker is the Tony Hawk, the Pablo Picasso, the Emerald Agassi of third base umpires. If I'm playing, if I'm playing my last game and I'm picking an umpire crew, we got. We got I I don't know Simba from Lion King behind the plate. We got no, Shrek at first. No, Steve Bo Whitaker at third. Yeah, Bo Whitaker is obviously at third, and we'll just clone him and put him at first too. But this is something that in our job at MLB, like I've become super obsessed with, which is umpire tracking for balls and strikes. Um, and we do know now know who the best guys are, who are the best thumps that only miss one or two calls a game, which is insane. That is an insane ability to do. As you said earlier, Steve, there's no way you could do it. No one, none of us could ever call balls and strikes, especially when you consider how fast and what the stuff looks like nowadays. That's why we, Pat Hoberg, who had a perfect game in the World Series, like these umps do exist and we should celebrate them when we see them. Bo Whitaker, you are now in that group as well. All right, no more umpire chat. Let's, let's talk about real baseball. Come on. Uh, we have to talk about another coach. This is a coach who we had a very, probably one of my favorite conversations of our first season of our podcast was about Sienna head coach Tony Rossi. Tony Rossi just announced his retirement. Oh, Why that's is weird. Tony Rossi important, Jordan? Oh, that's weird. Well, just announced his retirement. Oh, he's probably, you know, end of the season. Oh, he's probably been coaching for, you know, 20, 30 years. You know, oh. He's moving on, right? Right, Steve? That's normal. Like you announce, you say maybe middle of the year, oh, I'm gonna, I'm retiring, end of the year, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. That's, is that what happened here, or, or what happened? No, I, I think he's just sailing off into the sunset, isn't he? Yeah. How, for those people who don't know, we should explain how old Tony Rossi is and how long Tony Rossi has been doing this for. Do we know oh, – we, there's got to be an age. I don't know if it's on the press release. Uh, Tony Rossi's in his 54th year at Siena College. He is um, 79. He's in his 54th year at Siena College, 54th, five, four years coaching the same college baseball team. We talked about him last um, season because I saw Siena play at the University of Maryland, and I was like, oh, this Tony Rossi guy, Like he seems like he's been around. And I was like, holy shit. And then, remember, it was him and this guy at D2 Bentley University, Bob D. Felice, who after last season, which was his 54th season, he retired. But it seems that Tony Rossi's hanging him up before completing year 54, which means Bob D. Felice has the crown. I don't know who the longest active tenured is right now. Um, I would love to know that both in D1 and alt levels. But Jake, uh, do you have anything else? I, this is just amazing. We just need to, to salute. I would like to put this into context in the following way. Uh, in 1969, uh, in the month of July, we landed on the moon. <laughs> okay, we landed on the moon. Well, got it? Right. And then... I, which we did do, by the way. I was going to say, allegedly. <laughs> and then, yeah. a couple months later... That was a Sienna, joke. Hold on. People don't know me that well. That was a joke. Continue. 
<laughs> we landed on the moon in July of 1969. And then a couple months later, Siena College hired Tony Rossi. Okay? <laughs> a couple months later, they hired Tony Rossi. He, his first year was 1970. They hired him that offseason. The, we landed on the moon. Then they hired Tony Rossi. And he is still, right now, while I'm sitting here, the head coach of Siena. Now, we don't want to throw shade for a guy who is on his way out the door. He has not exactly lit it on fire uh, at Siena in his, you know, decades-long tenure. More than half a century of coaching a college (laughs) baseball team. I believe they have made regionals twice. Twice. That's more yeah. than zero times. That's true. They Good point, Steve. made regionals uh, twice. They made it in 1999, which, and they made it in 2014. Which, Jake, that brings us to the let's, – let's spin this forward. They are handing the program over to 25-year-old Joe Sheridan on March 20th. Taking a run with it, Joe. Joe Sheridan pitched at UCF and Notre Dame. He pitched for Notre Dame two years ago, okay? He is the pitching coach right now at Siena, and he just turned 25. Jake, I just turned 28 two days ago. This man will now be in charge. I assume, safely, he is the youngest coach in Division I baseball. Um, And now I am even more invested. Of course, I was fascinated by Tony Rossi's endless reign, right? But listen, I know there's challenges of building a program like Siena in the Mac. But like, let's see. Let's see. Let's watch Siena. Like, just build something new. Let's see what Joe Sheridan can do here. Take some. I know he was only with Link Jarrett for one season. But like, let's see if he can turn this thing around. I'm not saying it has to happen this year, next year. But I am now super fascinated to see what Joe Sheridan can do. They're two and thirteen this season. Doesn't seem like I'm not counting on it happening this year. But uh, man, maybe maybe a new a new era here. And so if he baseball. is 25 right now, in 54 <laughs> years, he'll be 79, which is how old Tony Rossi is right now. So Tony Rossi was hired when he was 25, and so you know it seems like the perfect hire. You guys want to place um, a place a wager on <clears throat> when we turn 50 if we'll. If, if we'll even have a different Sienna coach in our lifetime. Do <laughs> you think we survived to see another Sienna coach? I just need to say, Jake, that, again, his retirement is effective March 20th. They got a Great series Great time of, to hang him up. Great time to hang him up. What did you say? Great time to hang him up. Uh, no better series. time to retire as a college baseball coach than March. <laughs> Seriously. He Go. put in the two weeks' notice, at least. That's, that's good. True. Series. That's very professional. Very he old school. He basically thing. did. He basically did put in his two <laughs> weeks. Uh, series this weekend at Richmond. And then, Jake, first game of the Joe Sheridan era is on Tuesday at Fordham. <laughs> so if Jake wants to go back and double dip over at, what is it, Houlihan Park? And you want to go see if Joe Sheridan can get dub number one and Joe Sheridan can be undefeated as a 25-year-old Division I baseball coach? I know one thing. I'll be locked into that on ESPN Plus whether you're there or not. Um, Sienna, 
can't fucking wait. I love Tony Rossi. Sienna, we salute you. Sienna was like, "Yeah, we're getting rid of the seventy-nine-year-old coach. Let's get a twenty-five." <laughs> that that. They're having that that way in 2023. Their average age of their coach was the same as the league average, I believe. <laughs> it's so true. So true. Normal coach. It's a normal coach. Yeah. Normal he's, he's age 50-ish. coach. Steve, all other things considered, would you rather play, let's say your final year of college, would you rather play for a 25-year-old or a 79-year-old? 25 year old strictly because that that would essentially be my team you know i'm not i'm not <laughs> you much younger <laughs> yeah it would be me <laughs> so you're like, 25 you're a player you're a manager no you were 24 right you were 24 yeah i was 24 yeah but still but i mean, i, I could have passed could have passed for 25. so you would prefer to play for a 25 year old than a 79 year old i'm not talking about just the vibes like winning sometimes too oh um yeah, 25-year-old. All right. Because, you know, at least if we lose, it's like we could go go hang out, you know? Wow. Other guy, I, I don't think an older coach would be my style. I don't think they'd like That's me. That's true. Jordan, would you rather play for a 25-year-old or a 79-year-old? A uh, 25-year-old, I think. Okay. Actually, mm, I think the 79-year-old because that's not going to last forever. And so then you can like, then you, if you're playing for a 79 year old, you're playing for a legend. There's no like random 79 year olds coaching. <laughs> like you, so that would you, be you sick though. Like that's the thing. Like if you're 79 and still coaching, they'll probably have some sort of interesting story attached to them. And so I would, uh, I'll go 79 and then, and then if I'm lucky, I'll, I'll get to also play for a 25 year old. Um, all right. Amazing. Wow. I had so much more there, but let's get to some other baseball players. Uh, Steve, uh, we talked about some home runs earlier. Paxton Kling hit one, uh, rather, rather far. Obviously it's a home run hit by LSU. Um, the broadcaster for LSU, I believe his name is, is it Lynn Rollins? He does the LSU softball too. Um, Mm -hmm. yes, Lynn Rollins. Uh, and he is one of the more, distinct voices uh, that you'll ever see uh, on a college uh, game and you won't get you know you're not going to hear him when they're on necessarily SEC Network or some of the primetime games but he does LSU softball and he does a lot of their midweeks and whatever um, and out of conference games Uh, his signature is is pucker up and kiss that baby goodbye that's his home run call did Mm -hmm. he have a specific one in this in this Paxton Kling home run I did not yeah dude tell us about it Steve Yes, he did, and it was sick. As soon as the ball is leaving the yard, he goes, that is a Kling Kong bomb. And I immediately went, that's sick. Because I was getting so used to hearing him say, you can pucker up and kiss that one goodbye. And it's a great call. Do not get me wrong. It's just the frequency of which they're hitting home runs. Exactly. It's a lot. And he made it, adjustments. It's not just a peck on the cheek. I mean, LSU's making out. With They're buckering up buckering often, up. early and often. Um, keep an eye out for some for some mono diagnoses uh, by the end of the season. <laughs> I but do listen, love the pucker up because it is so distinct. Yeah, it is. It is his, right? And his voice is just, like, incredible. But also, to, to your point, Steve, so many LSU home runs. And he's making adjustments. He's getting creative with it because he's like, oh. I might like I'm gonna have three or four home runs to call in this game. I might as well mix in something else. I might as well try some stuff out here. Um, and Paxton Kling, which is a much more interesting name than Tommy White 
or Jared Jones, <laughs> there's a little <laughs> bit more to work with. And I think he's doing that, which I appreciate. I'm I'm just all for it. Paxton yeah. Kling is a fun player to watch. He he's been really putting on. But w- one kind of kind of qualm I have with this is everybody keeps saying, you know, these run rule home runs are walk off home runs. But to me, I feel like we need a new name for them just because I get it. Everybody's walking off the field, but there's no risk of like, if we don't walk off, this game's going to extend and we're going to lose, you know, like, like a walk off where you're down one in the ninth. Mm. That's sick. This is more like a, Ah, shit, we beat the brakes off of them. I mean, I do agree we should probably have a different term for it. I don't know what that is. We can workshop that. How about walk down? Or To me, the way I I think about it is like pissing on someone's grave. It's like kicking them when they're down. It's like a kick down home run. But not because you're also putting them out of their misery. (laughs) So is it like a a dog behind the woodshed, Homer? (laughs) It's a... To the bus. I mean, it's just... The farm upstate. It's a farm upstate, Homer. <laughs> Putting them out of their misery. Yeah, I don't know. It's Again, we don't want to get too bleak, but that's, that is what is happening. Um, now, it's not that they're trying to get run-ruled. At the same time, like, they now don't have to pitch LSU for another inning, and that's nice. So it's kind of hard to define it perfectly, I would say. So we'll work on that, Steve. I think we're going to have more of these. So we'll have opportunity to figure it out the way that Lynn Rollins figured out Kling Kong. We'll have more of them, and LSU will have more of them too, Steve. It feels like they're doing this every week. Yeah, I I feel like they're just trying not to play a full game this season. That's like their goal. Like they, When they huddle up, most teams are yelling Omaha, putting their fists in. LSU is yelling seven innings or less. Um, I don't get how they're doing it, but I, I – it's I wouldn't working. find it crazy for them to have like way less games played than a lot of other teams. Well, it's like like innings played. It's not. not played. I mean, it's, there's no way it's getting at this level. But Oklahoma softball was basically that. I mean, they <laughs> played more five inning games than seven inning games. I think either last year, or the year before. So um, it is possible. But um, yeah, I mean, the run rule is going to be. But like again, like coaches, even coaches on teams that are getting run ruled, like they oftentimes do prefer this. So um, there's a reason this rule is now a rule. Yeah, LSU it just, has played in 16 games this year. They've played 16 games. They've run ruled seven of them. Oh, my God. That's actually more than I thought. That's crazy. It, um, it makes me feel bad for – I know during midweeks they are just inter-squatting like crazy because their bullpen arms aren't getting used as much. They, they got more guys true. who need to get work done. Yeah. If you're an LSU bullpen catcher, my heart goes out to you because you are getting worked. Uh, there are other, like, you know, you have to agree on the mercy rule before Mm -hmm. the game. So like there are, uh, they beat Butler 12 to two in a game where it appears there was no agreed upon run rule. And so they were up 12 to zero. That game could have been a run rule. They beat Western Michigan 10 to zero in a game that probably would and should have been a run rule after eight innings. So they are, if you go by that count, that is nine of 16 games that they have, like, won by run rule amounts. And the Sam Houston game, sorry, 10 games, the Sam Houston game that we were at. So they are very much kicking the piss out of people. They also haven't played really anybody besides 
Texas in that midweek and the tournament, the Round Rock tournament we were at. Yes, I am very excited to watch LSU in SEC play, finally, which they will start next weekend at Texas A&M. Steve, uh, we have one more moment we wanted to mention before we get to our favorite players of the past week. And I know we're running a little long, but this has been very fun. Uh, Steve, tell me about the weather delay between Eastern Illinois and Arkansas State and what it made you think of. Uh, it was just a typical weather delay, but they left the cameras rolling and we're filming the boys pulling tarp and a little bit of the chaos that goes into switching from, oh, I'm in my spiky knife shoes and not rolling out a tarp to uh, I need to be in my knife-less shoes and rolling the tarp. And it, it's just always chaos. There's like four or five guys who really understand how to do it. They're trying to prove their worth to the team by being like, don't worry, we're going to make this field dry. We're going to keep it nice and dry. And then the rest of them just kind of come straggling on over. It's just a very typical tarp pull. And it, it reminded me I haven't had one in a very long time. Um, and I'm, I miss tarp pull. And I miss rain delays, too. Because rain delays are fun because you just sit there. You don't think about baseball one bit, but you're with all your baseball friends. And you just find ways to have fun. So I, I miss it. I miss that part. Would you rather take one more bus ride or pull one more tarp? Bus ride. Bus ride's longer. Okay. Would you rather pitch one more inning or pull one more tarp? Both. Both. I, I'd like for my inning to get a rain delay <laughs> to where I can pull tarp. Again, no regard for my elbow's health. I'll pull tarp midway through my outing, sit through 30-minute rain delay, unpull tarp, go back out there. Mm. You know who would there let you do that? <laughs> Your 25-year-old coach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that I is why... This 79-year-old coach actually might be more likely. likely to let you do that. Yeah, that's Guys, while we're, that's while we're talking about age in baseball, and since we're about to talk about players that we want to highlight, I recently was made aware by my wonderful wife of a baseball player at a community college just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, called Montgomery County Community College. There is a ball player named Jim Follin. Have you Have you guys ever heard of Jim Follin? I am aware of this story, and I know that Jordan is not. And Jordan, we will be talking about this on our show tomorrow morning as well. First of all, oh my goodness, Monk, this is in Pennsylvania. There's another Montgomery County college, community college. Okay, okay, it's like every state's got yeah. One no, it's just but okay. I know, but that's okay. Got it. Okay, right, tell me. I, I this is I love. I, this is great. I have no idea what is about to be shared with me. So what's about to be shared is he is a 56 year old man who is retired. He is not just a man, he is a father. And his kids are also fathers. Kid, yes. So he's a he's a grandfather, is what you're telling me. Uh grandfather with nine grandkids. Nine grandkids at fifty. Wow, nine grandkids at fifty okay, that's that's pretty good. Now here's I will say this. What's his name? Jim Fullen. Jim Fullen doesn't sound like a someone there's not that many people going by Jim um that are like Gen Z. I would say, like on their roster, you know, you're not seeing that very often. Tons no, of Jimmy's, obviously, he, right? So I, you're already hinting at someone that was older, but he's 56, he's a 56 year old grandma, and he's playing junior college baseball. Yeah, he just uh, he always dreamed of playing college baseball. Okay. He was a mailman for a very long time, and now he delivers for the Montgomery County Community College. It's very impressive. I love it. Pitcher. Um, 
No, I believe he's a hitter. I'm not really. Really? Fully I'm actually aware of... stunned by that. I actually he's a rotator. Think if I was to guess <laughs> what the 56 year old grandpa was doing in a junior college baseball, like I think I would guess pitcher before hitter. Yeah, I think my favorite quote from the article from the Philadelphia Inquirer is he looks over to coach and says, Coach, I think I'm going to have to miss Friday's practice. I'm meeting with my cardiologist, which all-time old guy thing to say. And I, I, I'm i just all for this guy. I think if I if I never played college baseball, I, I would be living this guy's life at some point. Of Not, not the male stuff because – Delivering the mail stresses me out. That is a logistical nightmare. I don't. I don't think I can do it. But from the being old and wanting to play baseball and not really giving it up, I'm I'm right there. Guys, I sent the link in the chat to his player page, and you must take a look at it. <laughs> All right, let's just draft our favorite things about this player page. <laughs> my favorite thing is that he's listed as a freshman. <laughs> Thank you. That was exactly my first thing. Um, it appears that Jim has appeared in one game. He's got one at bat so far. Looks for... like he picked up a punchy. <laughs> Montgomery. That's all right. What was the, oh man, we don't have a freaking play by play. This is disappointing. Cause like I wanted to see the spot. They kind of threw him in there. It was a yeah. four nothing win. So that is intriguing. I would say he's an up guy. It's good to see. Um, and we'll we will monitor this as the Montgomery season proceeds. We will monitor this like Jim is monitoring his cholesterol intake. <laughs> uh, thank you. I can't imagine the chirps he gets, but he's probably heard that one a billion times. Can you imagine you're pitching and they like, all right, we're gonna pitch at this guy. All right, what? <laughs> Let's. Uh, all right, so that is certainly a player that caught our attention. Now has my attention fully, full in for the next three months. Uh, Steve, let's let's hit on some other ones. We can run through these pretty quickly, although there is one in particular I'm very excited about. Let's give uh, some highlights to some certain players. Let's start with Chase Mora of Texas State. Uh, tell me about Chase Mora. Chase Mora only hits home runs. It's all he's allowed to do. His first game, he hit three home runs, and then for whatever reason, he was not playing and then they put him in over this weekend and he hit four home runs so he's had 20 plate appearances in his college career he has 17 rbis and eight of them coming from home runs did he homer again i believe it's seven seven of his nine hits are homers i don't understand why he wasn't starting this is a freshman who is listed at six foot 154 he doesn't exactly look like the most intimidating uh, dinger hitter in the box, but my God, he doesn't know what else to do besides he just had a four home run game, nine RBIs against North Dakota State. So, um, yeah, maybe let's maybe keep him in the lineup. Like, I know Texas State has a bunch of old guys, but like maybe the guy that can't stop hitting home runs, like maybe keep him in the lineup. I would say just a, just a thought could be a good call. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Uh, Steve, tell me about <laughs> you love Queens College, we know that. Yes, I do. Tell me about Daniel Bagwell. Am I going to like him more than Jeff Bagwell? Bagwell? Yeah, way better in my mind. He is a guy who committed. He he has been at Queens College forever. He committed way back in the year of 2018 when Queens was a Division II school that didn't even have a baseball field to its name. 
And now he's playing there while it's a D1 and in the midweek game against the ECU Pirates, who were ranked 12th at the time. He absolutely shoved for 8.2 innings. It was 2-1 to one in, the, in the bottom of the ninth where Daniel was still pitching. And he gave up an infield single to tie the game up and then ultimately got pulled from the game. I spoke closely with the Queens University coaching staff, and they said, yeah, um, we tried to pull him out when he was at 65 pitches, and he would just wouldn't let that happen. So we were just like, okay, let's let him run with it. And he did. And he pitched his nuts off, and I was really happy to see it. 129 pitches. I know they ended up losing, but hell of an effort for Mr. Bagwell. Very impressive. One other pitching performance I wanted to highlight was Wyatt Hudpole, who who I would love how, to know how this is pronounced. Do we, do we know, Steve? Hudpole? Uh, I think it's Hudapel. Hudapel? Hudapel? Again, it's me. Could be wrong. This is the thing. This is the same thing with check swings. Ask for help. Just ask for help. Yeah. So let us know. I, I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what it is. Just let us know. Uh, this gentleman, who I believe transferred from Kentucky to uh, Charlotte, last week at Virginia Tech, this man allowed nine runs on ten hits in three and a third inning. So I was like, oh, well, that's not very good. Um, he had lost his first two starts against Ball State and Army. And so when he's facing Old Dominion, a team that can't stop hitting home runs, speaking of not stopping hitting home runs, it was like, oh, it's kind of a tough matchup for, for Wyatt here. What's going to happen? Well, Steve, Steve, what happened? What happened was he absolutely shoved. He, uh, and it, it's crazy. He threw a complete game, which we don't see often in college baseball, only 108 pitches, which really isn't that bad, and 17 strikeouts. Zero walks. That's commanding it. I don't know how many times I could do a stat head search really quickly. How many times that's happened? 17 strikeouts and no walks in a major league game. But I promise you it's not very many. And for the guy coming off a nine or run outing at Virginia Tech, I have to imagine he's feeling pretty good. He's definitely feeling better. Better than the one where he gave up nine runs. So that was fucking sweet. Shouts out to Wyatt. Um, <laughs> a couple other uh, p- players I want to mention. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to mention one because I think this is the one you will enjoy the most. But Jake, tell, before before I, I'll, I'll finish with this guy. But how about you tell me what what does this mean? Celeb watch at USC. What does that mean, Jake? Andre Agassi's kid is at USC. <laughs> yes, he is. Jaden Agassi. How's he doing this year? I have no. Has he been? He's like a, like sort of a draft guy. I believe he's from Vegas. He if started. I the other day, I was watching Stanford USC, and they were like, "Blah blah." Agassi. You were watching Stanford USC. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I can't believe I said that in public, but I I was, I was watching, Pacaroni and one two, and they were like, "Blah blah Agassi," and I was like, "Well, uh, it's got to be related. Like, there's just one Agassi." And yeah, it's uh, it's Jaden Agassi, and I believe. Let's see how he did. In that game, uh, not well, <laughs> it looks like. But that's okay. I wonder okay. if people are ever, like, trying to play pickup tennis with him, and he's like, you don't want that kind of smoke. <laughs> that's not. I do want – you have to imagine. I mean, right? Like, there's no way. Um, by the way, uh, Andre Agassi is married to Steffi Graf, so, like, I he has oh, to true. play tennis. True. Like, there's Forgot no freaking chance that he doesn't. Wikipedia, Agassi has said that he and Graf are not pushing their children towards becoming tennis players. Well, 
clearly pretty good. He's playing baseball. He uh, could totally get drafted. So three innings, uh, three earned runs or five runs, three earned against Stanford, which is that's actually a good outing against Stanford. Totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to finish this episode, this lengthy episode of the Shock Factor, by telling you, gentlemen, I'm not quite Rhett Rosevear excited, but uh, this is this is up there. Big I'm weekend to- for him, by the way. He was great. Oh, yeah. Southeastern Louisiana looks great. He's finally getting some hits instead of just getting hit. So we love that. Um, but I'm going to tell you about another gentleman named Zach Maria, another pronunciation I would love to know, a senior right-handed pitcher at Florida A&M University. Now, this is a team that caught my attention this weekend because they won the series opener against Florida Gulf Coast, who was tickling Steve's giblets last week. It's like, damn, Florida A&M, all right, this is pretty good. This is a nice little impressive outing. And I saw that Zach Maria pitched in that game, and I was like, oh, I was just looking at the at the wonderful leaderboards on uh, D1Baseball.com, and I noticed that this Zach gentleman, he sure pitches a lot. He likes to pitches. He is pitching. And um, this man is leading all of college baseball in appearances with 13. He has already pitched in 13 games. While uh, many Division three schools have yet to play a game, this man has already pitched in 13 games. And my favorite thing is that his ERA is over nine, and it doesn't matter. They just keep putting him out there. He pitched in all three games against FGCU this weekend. And last year, he had 33 appearances. The year before, he had 32 appearances. And this guy must just – he can just chuck it forever. I don't know, Steve. What was how many appearances did you have uh, your in Virginia your, your last year uh, while uh, going to Omaha? Here, I'll I want to say up. like twenty something. 20, 22. 22. Okay. Okay. So he <laughs> did twenty two. You had twenty four in twenty eighteen at UMBC. So that like, and you were pitching decently frequently. Is that is that yeah? Safe it to was say? like at least once a weekend. Yeah, at least I had well, thirty four total. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is now up to uh, 88 appearances in his career. And I just I just love this. I just love that, you know, in some of these teams, it's like, who do you trust? And ultimately, on some of these weaker teams where all the ERAs are not so great, it's like, ah, Zach, let's just go to Zach. <laughs> I like Zach. We'll just go back yep. to him. And I want to see what he can get to uh, this this season. Can he get to 40 games? That's probably not safe but I would love to see it. I'm rooting for you, Zach. You, you know what it is, right? What What do you mean? He's a weird arm slot guy. He, oh, is he? See, I didn't even look at yeah. video, but, but that, that I, I just me. found it. I've been searching the whole time. I was like, he's got to be a weird slot guy. There's no way this is a normal, traditional thrower. And that's and, the thing. When, when you appear in all three games of a weekend, you have my attention. I don't yeah, care why. It, it's um, the law of averages. Right now, his ERA is a little up. It, it'll bounce back out come appearance 48. I, I trust which him. should be should be in, in <laughs> April so Next nothing week. to worry about yeah um, <laughs> he's right on the cusp uh so uh, Zach uh here's to you just keep on pitching gentlemen we are done we did another podcast this was delightful Steve is yawning that means it's time for him to go Steve you do not look like you're ready to watch USA versus Mexico in 10 minutes but that is no a but us problem and not a you problem so we are going to end this podcast here. Thank you all for supporting us and listening to the Shock Factor podcast. Uh, we'll be back with more stuff soon. Steve, close it out. It's been another great week of college baseball, and guess what's going to happen this week? 
probably another great week of college baseball. If not, I'll just find the really cool stuff and share it with you. That way you think it's all that happened. That way you can be like, wow, what a cool week. Secrets out. Of Pat Big John's Thank you, Steve. Goodbye.